All right, good morning. Happy Sabbath. Good to see you guys all here. It's great to see all these people. Um, Before we get started into the sermon, uh, as Jess said, I worked at this summer camp, Michigan Conference summer camp, called Camp Asable. So now I want to take a very quick survey for a second. Has anyone here ever been to Camp Asable by show of hands? Oh, okay, okay. We got multiple people here who have been to Camp Asable. Sweet. So at camp, we like to do something with the teen and tween campers uh, on Sabbath morning to kind of open up the Sabbath and get people in a good mood. And I want to do that here today. So that is going to require a little bit of audience participation. Is, Is that something we can handle? Okay, okay. (laughs) All right, so what's going to happen is I need all of the gentlemen, all of the gentlemen, I need you to turn to a lady next to you, whether they're next to you, beside you, or in front of you. Just turn to a lady next to you, and you need to repeat exactly after me. Okay, you guys ready for this? Here we go. Ladies, you look wonderful this morning. Happy Sabbath. All right, cool, cool, cool. Now we're going to return the favor, ladies, okay? So now it's your turn. So, ladies, I need you to turn back to that gentleman. Turn back to that gentleman. Now, ladies, you're going to repeat after me. Gentlemen, Gentlemen. while you clean up well, (laughs) happy Sabbath. Awesome. Great. Great. I am so happy to be here. Man, I'm really happy uh, and grateful to be here um, at PMC with all of you guys today. Uh, As Jess said, I actually, I've grown up in this area. I I've, I've gone to this church basically my entire life. I, I went to Ruth Murdoch. I went to Andrews Academy. Now I'm here studying at Andrews. And I'm, I'm very grateful for, for this church. This has definitely been my church for my entire life. And so uh, before I get started, I just want to say thank you to all of you who make up Pioneer Memorial Church because without you, I wouldn't be the person who I am today. So I just want to say thank you very quickly. So I, I've lived in Berrien, you know, most of my life. You know, Andrews Academy, Andrews University, Ruth Murdoch, I've done the whole thing. But in between my sophomore and junior year of college, I decided to go as a student missionary through an organization called Adventist Frontier Missions. And I was on the island of Palawan in the Philippines, and I was serving as a math teacher. So there are going to be a few pictures on the screen right here. And we actually were way up in the jungles of Palawan. You can see that's, that's someone's house right there. So we were way up in the jungle, and I was teaching math to third through sixth graders. And so it was a really great time. Those are some of my kids right there. They're pretty great. I think there's one more picture that we'll see. Yeah, so those are all the students right there. And it was absolutely an amazing experience, something that I wouldn't trade for anything. And so today, my message, what we're going to discuss today, a lot of that actually stems from my experience of being a student missionary, just because it really made a big impact on my life and changed the way I I view the world. And yeah, it it just really made a big impact on me. So that's what I want to share with you guys today. A few days after I got over to the Philippines, my dad actually sent me a letter. And so I received this letter from my dad, and it was just a few days into my student missionary year, and it read this. It said, Dear Brandon, I want you to know how proud of you I am. You have made Jesus your best friend. As Pastor Dwight shared yesterday in church, we are supposed to invest in things that outlast ourselves. You'll be doing this as you share Jesus' love to the people of Palawan. I'll be claiming 1 Corinthians 10.13 daily for you. God is faithful. He will provide a way of escape for every trial that comes your way. 
Desire of Ages, page 330, says that God has a thousand ways to provide for you of which we know nothing. Thoughts from Not a Blessing, page 71, says that God weighs every trial and decides what he will allow to come to you. He has already made provision for each trial. Please know that I will miss you incredibly and that I have an empty spot in my heart that won't be filled until you return. I love you very much, Brandon. Dad. So, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that it's Sabbath and that you are in this space with us, God, and that you decided to come and hang out with us today, Father. And so, God, today we, 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 we want you to bless us, God, so that we can go be blessings to others. Thank you so much, God, that you, you never give up on us and that you're always there with us no matter where we are in our lives. Thank you for being a God who loves us so much. In your name, amen. All right, so what we're going to do first is I actually have a little quiz for you guys to make sure that we're all on the same page. So this quiz, it, we, we are on the campus of Andrews University right now, uh, yes? So what we're going to do is, is I, I want to make sure that we know sort of a little bit about Andrews. We're going to have kind of a quiz about Andrews. So the motto for Andrews University is to seek knowledge, to affirm faith, and to change the Ah, okay, let's, one more time. We're supposed to change the Okay, so that means at its core, Andrews University and Pioneer Memorial Church, because this is a, you know, a campus church right here, at its core, Andrews University, Pioneer Memorial Church, it exists to create world changers. That, that's everything that we do here at Andrews, no matter what we preach, no matter what we teach, no matter what they feed us over there in the, in the calf, anything it is, and we have great food over there in the calf, it is all in order to empower world changers. That, that's the goal of Andrews University, and I believe that that is also Jesus' goal for us, and, that, and that's why he came here on earth, because he wanted to create world changers. So it is very important that we keep that in the back of our minds, this idea that God wants us to be world changers. So what we're going to do right now is we're actually going to get into our Bibles. We're going to be in our Bibles a lot today, so I hope you have you either brought your Bible or maybe you have an app on your phone or, or something, iPad, whatever it is, you know, we're going to be in our Bibles quite a bit today. So our first verse that we are going to be in is Genesis 2, 7. Genesis 2, 7. So I'll give you a second to get there. We're going to be in Genesis 2, 7. And Genesis 2, 7 reads... And the, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So God forms man out of the dust of the what? Out of the, yes, out of the ground. And then he breathes what into man? The breath of? And then what happens to that thing that he just made? It becomes what? A living being. Okay, so if, if we're kind of going to do a little math problem for what happened right here, we could basically say this. We could say that dirt plus God's breath equals life. Does that, does that sort of make sense? So, so we're going to have dirt and, and that plus God's breath plus God, it, it's going to turn into something that is alive, okay? So, so this, is, this is vital to what we're going to be trying to talk about today, okay? This idea that God can speak to things that have no life, and then those things have life. They become living. This is super important to what we're going to be discussing today. So when I was young, I actually, since I grew up in this community, I, I was probably around five, six, seven, around there, and there used to be a place in 
Battle Creek, Michigan, and it was called Serial City. I don't know. Do any, does anybody here remember that? Serial City? Okay, a few people. Serial City. This is kind of a throwback. I, I don't think it exists anymore, but it's called Serial City. Anyways, it was run by Kellogg's company, and it was sort of like a museum, and they had places for kids to run around and, you know, check out how, how, how cereal's made, this sort of thing. And so, you know, little kids love that sort of thing. And so, anyways, my parents, they ended up taking me to Cereal City. Now, we got there, and I, of course, having a good time looking at all how they make the cereal and all this kind of stuff, and I made a friend. It was a little girl. I made a friend with a little girl, and, we, you know, of course, we started talking and this sort of thing. Now, rewind just a little bit. I told you that I've grown up in this church, and one of the things that I learned from a very young age in this church was that I actually came from dirt, and that God made me, and that he made me from dirt. Okay, that's very interesting. So I guess that must have been the lesson the previous Sabbath. Anyways, I made friends with this little girl, and I was like, hey, um, by the way, God made you in your dirt. <laughs> and she's like, what? And I was like, no, seriously, God made you in your dirt. And of course, she, she totally blew it off and started to walk away from me. And I'm like, well, no, really, God made you your dirt. And, and, she, and so she, she started like walking a little bit faster and I started walking a little bit faster too. And eventually she started running from me. And so my mom, she was supervising us and I was chasing this little girl and saying, God made you your dirt. And this little girl, she was running away from me with her, her uh, fingers in her ears and she was saying, no, I'm not. <laughs> So this, this message today that we're going to be talking about, how God made us from dirt, th- this has been very near and dear to my heart since I was just a little child. So I hope, I hope you guys appreciate what's going to be happening here. <laughs> so I hope you guys haven't put away your Bibles yet because we're going to actually be going to Genesis 1 verse 26. Genesis 1 verse 26. And Genesis 1 tw- verse 26 reads this way. Then God said... Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Okay, so we've heard this before, we've heard this before, but I just want to make sure that we're all grasping what exactly is going on here. So God made man in his what? In his image. Okay, and then God made man according to his... Likeness. Okay, so God made man in his what? In his image, and then according to his likeness. Amen. Preach the word, Pastor Jose. So we have these two things, these these two things, his image and his likeness. So what that means to me is that from the beginning of Earth's history, that we were designed to resemble our creator God both in in what we actually look like, our image, but in also what we ourselves are like, what our characters are like. We were supposed to be like God. We were supposed to share his same character from the beginning of the time. Now, remember, this is, this is before the fall. This is, this is the first thing. God's like, hey, check this out. I'm going to create man, and, and, and they're going to look like me, and they're also going like, to have the same character of me. And, and so this is like super important to, to just what we're going to be talking about today. But then God says something very interesting. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Now, I used to have a very different understanding of this, and I thought it meant something completely else. But if we are standing, uh, uh, if we're standing here and we're thinking about, okay, be fruitful and multiply, what does that actually mean for my life? It is very interesting if we look in the text, because if we read the text for what it says, God had just made man in his image and his character. When God gives man the command to be fruitful and multiply, what is actually being multiplied? God's image and his 
likeness, right? So from the beginning of the time, God designed, hey, I'm going to make man, and I'm going to make him in my image, and I'm going to make him in my likeness. And you know what? I'm going to tell him that he needs to be fruitful, and and he needs to multiply. And not just that he's multiplying himself, but he's actually multiplying the image of me. Wow. And not just the image of me, he's also multiplying the character of me as well. Hmm. Very, very interesting. These, these are points that, yeah, very, very interesting. To me, that is wild. That, that is super wild. But hang on. Let's look back at the beginning of verse 28. What was the very first thing that God does before giving them the command to, to multiply? What was the first thing? If you guys look in your Bibles. He was what? What was that? He blessed them. So to me, what, what that means is that God blesses Adam and Eve. So what does that tell us about ourselves, about humanity? Number one, that we were made in the image of God. Number two, man, that we're supposed to share his character. And also we're supposed to multiply the character. But then that God made us to be blessed. Wow. First thing that God does, he says, man, you know what? I just made these males, male and female, Adam and Eve. You know what? I'm blessing them. That's the first thing. So we as humans, we were made to receive the blessing of God. Super, just, just, man, paradigm shift. This is really, really cool. So I hope you guys still have your Bibles because we're going to check out what happens next. So as, as we know, God blesses them and, you know, be fruitful and multiply, gives them this command. But unfortunately, there was a fall. Both Adam and Eve, they both ate of the fruit, and humanity fell into sin, and you know, you have the bad consequences of that. So what had happened was God's perfect plan, man, it had been disrupted a little bit. And so what God, ha- what says, what God says to Adam is very interesting right here. This is after Adam and Eve both ate the fruit. In Genesis 3, verse 17, we're going to get it on the screen. And it says, to Adam, he said, this is God, to Adam, God said, because you listened to your wife, and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. So God here is basically saying, Adam, you made a bad choice, and, and, and because you did make that bad choice, there are going to be some bad consequences. There are going to be some bad consequences. But he says something very interesting. He says, God says, the ground... The ground which I made you from. Remember that whole thing about God, you know, forming from the dust of the earth. God says, you know what? The ground that I made you from, that that is now cursed. Man, this is a problem. This is a really big problem right here. Humanity, the stuff that it's actually coming from, has been cursed. It's under sin. This this is definitely a problem for us. So, I hope you guys still have your Bibles open. We're going to keep flipping. We're going to keep flipping to a guy named Abram. So, if you guys could, in your Bibles or on your phones, go to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. We're going to check that out right now. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. And we'll get this one on the screen as well. The Lord had said to Abram, I'm in verse 1, Go from your country, your people, and your father's house to land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God gives Abram this crazy command where he says, Hey, Abram, you got to go. You got to leave your country. You got to leave your family and all your people. Now, if, if you and I were Abraham, I, I think the appropriate question at this point would be, 
Yeah, well, okay, God, I'm supposed to go, but uh, where am I going to go? I think that's quite something that Abraham might ask him. But God doesn't tell Abram a specific land. He says, to a land I will show you. Wow. So God is asking Abram to really trust in the character of God because God doesn't exactly tell him where he's going. He just says, hey, I'm going to show you. But then God starts to make the promises. So we have, this, we have this portion of this that requires some obedience on Abram's part. But then God starts to make these promises like, you know what, if you obey my plan for you, I'm going to start to make some promises to you. And this is what God says. He says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make your name great. And you're going to be a blessing. So God is saying, hey, Abram, you follow me, you go, and guess what? I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be a blessing. Now, I don't know how many of you guys were here last week, but that sounds a lot what Pastor Dwight was talking about. Remember last week, Pastor Dwight was saying, hey, every day we need to ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then we need, to be, we need to ask to be unfilled into the lives of others. Wow. Blessed so we can bless, so we can go bless, and then filled so we can unfill. Wow. It's, it's like, God, he, he, this is the same thing happening right here. This is like almost a theme of Scripture, I would say. Very, very, very interesting. So let's continue. He says, God continues, and he says, I am going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. And all people, or all the families of earth, will be blessed through you. All the people of earth, all the families of earth are going to be blessed through you, Abram. Oh, very interesting. So, and the thing that all these promises uh, hang on is that Abram has to follow God's command. He's got to go. That's the first thing. And if we think about it, how could God bless all the peoples of the earth unless he actually went to all the peoples of the earth? It just wouldn't happen, right? It just couldn't work out. And so God's question to Abram, I think he asks us the same question sometimes. And that question is, do you trust me enough to let me make you a blessing? Because where you're at right now, you're never going to reach your full potential. You've got to leave something so I can make you into someone who can go be a blessing to others. This is, this is very, very, very vital to what we're going to be talking about today. So I hope you're hanging on to this. So speaking of being a blessing to the world, I, I want to share something with you guys. And this was one of those, one of those mind-blown moments for me. And, and if, if some of you guys don't know exactly what mind-blown means, it's like, wow, I've never known that before. And so all the young kids will say, wow, I'm mind-blown. We'll go like this sort of thing. So just trying to make sure that we're all on the same page here. So I had one of these mind-blown moments when I, when I read this right here. So this is straight from the Seventh-day Adventist Bible commentary about the call of Abram, about the call of Abraham. So we're going to put it on the screen right here. And as you can see, all the families of the earth, that's underlined. So basically what's happening is in the Bible commentary, the, the writers, the commentators, they're focusing on this little portion of the biblical text, okay? So... Let's read it. The Hebrew, word tra- the Hebrew word here translated earth, Adama, means essentially ground or soil. All nations and all ages are included. It was the ground that had been cursed after the fall, Abraham ate the fruit, the same ground out of which man had originally been made. That curse had come because of the unfaithfulness of one man. And now all the families of the ground were to receive blessing through the obedience of one who was found faithful. Wow. Okay, that, that's, that, that's, that's, that's mind-blowing right there. Because basically what's that saying is, is, is Jesus is telling Abram, he's saying, hey, Abram, way back in Genesis 3, humanity had this problem, right? Human, humanity fell. Humanity wasn't faithful. But 
check this out, check this out. He says, you know what? One day you're going to be a blessing. And check it out, all those people, all those families of the earth, all those families of the ground that had been cursed, you're going to be a blessing to them. So what it sounds like to me is that God, he's already thinking, man, I'm thinking about how can we turn humanity around? How can we bring humanity to, once, to what it once was before the fall? Very, very interesting. I want you guys to hang on to this point. Now, think about this. Everyone who had been born after the fall of man had come from the cursed ground, the ground that had been affected by sin. Therefore, everyone is born into sin. But God is saying, hey, you're going to be a blessing to all the nations who are affected by sin. So, wait a second. Some of you might be saying, hold on, hold on, hold on. In that passage that you just read, Brandon, it said, at the, end, at the end of the passage that you just read, it said there was a little section about how the families of the earth would receive blessing through the obedience of one who was found faithful. And you might be saying, wait a second, Brandon, I've read my Bible before, and I know that Abraham, Abraham, Abram, he wasn't, he, he wasn't completely faithful. There was this story, remember, Brandon, remember there was that story like when they were in Egypt and then with his wife and, you know, he called her his sister because he didn't trust in God, this sort of thing. So, Brandon, Abram, he, he wasn't completely faithful. Like, so, Brandon, what are we talking about here? Abram, he was a very faithful guy, but he didn't get it perfect. He wasn't a perfect uh, individual. So, I have an answer for you. Let's check out this next verse. It is in Galatians 3, verse 8. We're going to put it on the screen. And Galatians 3, verse 8 says, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So, the Gentiles, aka the people of the earth, the people, the people of the ground, the, the people from that cursed ground, were to be justified by faith. Huh, that's very interesting. But that, that begs the question, well, whose who's faith, faith are they being justified by? And this is very, very interesting. And I know you guys all know this verse, so we're going to put it on the screen and let's read it together. It's on the screen right now. Everyone together. One, two, three. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. This is making more sense now. Abraham... He was never the one to bring ultimate blessing. That was Jesus. Well, we just read John 3, 16. God sent his only son to die for us. That was Jesus. The Gentiles or the families of the earth would be justified by the faith of Jesus. Jesus was the faithful one. It is through Jesus that dirt that was once cursed, that once cursed humanity came from, can now be blessed. It is only through Jesus that sinful humanity has a hope for eternity. It is only through Jesus that sinful hearts can be made new. Amen? Man, that's good news right now. So this call of Abraham, wow, this is all about Jesus. But it gets even crazier right here. Remember, we had that math equation, right? So we had dirt. Then we had the breath of God, and that brought life. Well, check this out. This same thing is playing when what God did with Jesus. So God looks to earth, and he says, man, there's a problem there. There are people there, and they're dying. They're living in sin, and they've got an issue. You know what? I'm Hold on. So, so we, have this, we have this planet made of dirt. And instead of, instead of God breathing, he, he, he gets down close, but he doesn't breathe. He, he says, you know what? I, I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send my son. And then so we have the earth, and God says, I'm going to send my son to that broken earth. And from there, Jesus goes, and he dies on the cross, and he's resurrected again. Therefore, he can bring life to all of us. Isn't that good? So we could read the equation this way. Dirt plus Jesus equals life. 
that's good talk. Man, that's good stuff right there. I don't know about you, but man, that, that, that's inspiring right there. That Jesus, man, that stuff that he did way back in the beginning of the Bible, he still loves to do the same thing. He loves to get close to things that aren't alive, that aren't living. And he says, you know what? I'm going to breathe my life into that. I'm going to give my son Jesus to that dirt. dirt. And he, you know what he's going to do? He's going to bring life to that. Man, that's good news. The call of Abraham is all about Jesus. And the call for us today is all about Jesus as well. Earlier I mentioned how I was a student missionary through Adventist Frontier Missions in the Philippines. AFM's orga- is, it's an organization uh, that sends out missionaries to go be blessings to unreached people groups. During their month-long summer training session, we learned some things that absolutely changed, really changed my life and yeah, just the way I view things now. So I'm really excited to, to share some of the things that I learned at AFM training with you guys right now here at PMC. And so there, it's sort of like a hypothesis. And the first hypothesis is this. We'll put it on the screen. It's that salvation looks like relational healing. So let, let me expound on that a little bit. So if you're going to see salvation happening or, or you're like going to catch salvation like in the act, it's going to look like relational healing. It, it's going to look like people coming back together. At its essence, that, that's, that's what salvation is. That's what it looks like. It looks like people coming back together. So if we're Christians and we bear this name of Christ and we believe that we have salvation through Jesus, okay, that means that our relationships around us need to be improving. Does that make sense? If salvation really looks like relational healing, then our relationships all around us, no matter who it's with, that means our relationships, they need to be improving because we have this thing called the gospel. And that gospel says that Jesus can speak life to things that are dead. So if I have an issue with somebody, man, I shouldn't say, you know what? Uh, Forget them. No, I should say, hey, check this out. Jesus can bring life to this. Salvation looks like relational healing. So if I accept Jesus' salvation into my life, it's going to look like me growing closer with people around me. Next thing we encounter a problem. The next thing on there, it's going to say, community, community reveals relational brokenness. Now, now this, now this could be a problem because each and every one of us are messed up, which means that our communities are inherently dysfunctional because each and every one of us, we're not perfect, right? So that means Andrews University isn't perfect because I'm a student there. That means that Pioneer Memorial Church isn't going to be perfect because I'm a member here. And it means that this service isn't going to be perfect because I'm the one preaching. (laughs) But that's all right. (laughs) But that's okay. That is okay. Because as we look next on the screen right here, it says that relational brokenness provides an opportunity for us to experience salvation. Brandon, what does that mean? That means when I have an issue with somebody or I'm experiencing some sort of brokenness, if I really believe in God and I believe in his ability uh, to, to change things, to bring life, and I believe that he was resurrected from the grave and that therefore he now can bring life to whatever situation needs life to be brought to, that means, when man, I have a problem with this person. I shouldn't be repelled by that person. I should say, hey man, we've got an issue, but check this out. I, I believe in Jesus and I believe that he can bring life to our relationship even though there's an issue right now. Wow. That's like, that's a paradigm shift because a lot of the times, man, when we have issues with people, when there's this sort of thing, oh man, it can be really tough and we kind of want to stray away from that. But if we are serious as Seventh-day Adventists and we're serious about Christians and we're serious as a congregation here at Pioneer Memorial Church, man, we're going to look at relational brokenness as an opportunity for us to express our faith in Jesus' power to save. That's just a fact right there. So, One more thing. We're going to put it on the screen. 
in all of this, the way we live together, the way we do life, the way we live together is the gospel that we preach. The way we live together is the gospel we preach. Man, so that means the way that I interact with others, I'm not just going to be nice to somebody so that I can preach the gospel to them. Me being nice to that person and getting to know their story and understanding their pain, that is preaching the gospel. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So check this out. One of the things that they told us at AFM training was that missionaries, student missionaries, career missionaries, don't really get along with other missionaries very well. And I was like, yeah, right, we're going to get along just fine. But let me tell you, this, it's crazy. It's like when we get into these str- more stressful situations, whether that's in a different country as an SM, or maybe it's just in a different situation. It, it's like a lot of times the, our, our imperfections that we're able to hide, it, it kind of goes like this. Man, and, and it's like, man, I'm really stressed out. And, and we start to say things that aren't very nice, and it's just tough. So when you get multiple people who are kind of going like that and aren't being very nice, man, it definitely causes some issues right there, right? And so I can tell you from the bottom of my heart, man, I was definitely not a perfect student missionary, and I added a lot of dysfunction to my team there, and I never imagined getting along with other Americans over there that that would be something that would actually be an issue. I thought it would be, you know, learning the language, learning the culture, trying to not get malaria, all these types of things. I thought those would be the big problems. You know, I thought that would be the stuff that would be really tough for me. But no, it was actually coming to terms with myself and my own selfishness and saying, man, how do I get along with these other people? Crazy, crazy. And what is very, very interesting is that if we as Seventh-day Adventists, whether you're a missionary, whether you're here as a student, doesn't matter where you are, if you claim the name of Jesus and, I'm not, and, and we're not living together well, then we are actually denying the gospel that we intend to preach. Does that make sense? So I can't say, man, you know, I believe in Jesus and have all my relationships around me be in a lot of trouble. Does that make sense? My relationships need to be getting better around me because I believe that Jesus has the power to resurrect things. Man, this, this is super vital. We could have all of our theology down perfectly. We could have the most innovative worship services. We could have the most students at our universities. We could be the denomination with lots of tithe. We could have the best healthcare systems. We could send out the most missionaries. But if the Holy Spirit does not come into our hearts and help us to treat others with love, then all that stuff is for nothing. Mrs. White, she says this. We're going to put it on the screen right here. She says, The world will be convinced, not by what the pulpit teaches, but by what the church lives. The way we live together is the gospel we preach. But let's bring it a little bit closer to home. Let's bring it a little bit closer to home. The next slide right here. It says, The world will be convinced, not by what Pioneer Memorial Church teaches, but by what Pioneer Memorial Church lives. Let's bring it home a little bit more for those who might be guests here at Pioneer Memorial Church. The world will be convinced not by what Andrews University teaches, but by what Andrews University lives. So here's the problem. If when we're saying our motto is we're going out to change the world, but if we're just saying that with our mouths, but we're not living it with our lives, then there's going to be some sort of problem and we're actually denying the gospel that we intend to preach. But imagine that with me. A community of Christians so dedicated to Christ and his gospel that they show it in how they treat one another. A community of Christians here on our university that would know each other for who we really are, our assets and our liabilities, and say, hey, I know that we're not perfect and we all have weaknesses, but we'd use our our strengths to cover up another person's weakness. And we would say, hey, we're not perfect, but guess what? I know you for who you really are and you know me for who I really am and I still love you anyways. 
because that's what Jesus did for us. Man, just imagine that. Crazy, crazy. So Brandon, you're, uh, you, you know, you've shown some pretty nice quotes on the screen. You showed some Bible verses. Um, but what does it all mean? Oh, come on, give me, give me something practical that I can do, Brandon. Come on. Well, I want, I want to tell you guys a story. This happened last spring semester, so spring semester 2017, and I was actually in a statistics class. I was in a statistics class over in Marsh Hall, and it was in the basement there, you know, below the nursing department, and I was over there, and I was taking the statistics class, really great class, teacher was awesome, I, I really enjoyed it, but during that time I was taking the statistics class, there was a lot of brokenness going on in our country, and there still is a lot of brokenness going on in our country, especially when it came to the topic of race. So during that time, Andrews University, we also, as a, as a campus university, we were dealing with this issue of race, and, and, and how do we live together? If living together is the gospel we preach, how, how do I live with someone who looks different me, d- differently than me? Man, like, I know I, I can say with my mouth the nice things, but when it actually comes down to living with someone who's different than me, Man, this is kind of tough. And so we were struggling with that as a campus, and we were still working through that. But my statistics teacher, she sat down that Monday, and before she started class, she said, hey, you know, over this past weekend, it's come to my attention that there are people on this campus who feel as though they've been treated less than than a child of God due to the color of their skin. And she said, you know what? that's, That's not okay. And she said, I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to pretend that I have all the answers or that I'm some enlightened guru, but you know what? I do know how to listen. And if you've ever felt like you've been treated wrongly because of your race, I want to tell you that I know how to listen and that my door is always open. And if you ever feel like that, feel free to come in and we can talk. Wow. We got teachers like that at Andrews University. In my opinion, that's called being a blessing to someone right there. That is amazing. Wow. That's where people always talk about what makes Christian education worth it. When we have teachers like that teaching at Andrews University, that makes Christian education worth it. I'll tell you, man. So that teacher right there, she was being a blessing. She was multiplying the character of Christ and the image of Christ just by saying, you know what? I'm going to listen to you, and I'm not going to pretend like I have answers or that I can figure out everything on my own, but I'm going to listen to you, and I'm going to love you for who you are, and I'm going to feel your pain. Wow. Wow. That's preaching the gospel right there. That is living together well, in my opinion. Man. Man. Wild stuff. So about halfway through my student missionary year, remember that letter I... um, I just read from my dad a little bit earlier. I started to read it a little bit in a different way. I started to read it as though it was a letter from my heavenly father to me. And so it wasn't just from my earthly father, but almost as though my heavenly father wrote me a letter as well. And so we're actually going to put that on the screen, you can see. And it reads this. Dear Brandon, I I want you to know how proud of you I am. I made you to invest in things that outlast yourself. I promise to be faithful. I have a way of escape for every trial that comes your way. I have 1,000 ways to provide for you of which you know nothing. Remember, I weigh every trial and decide what I will allow to come to you. And I have already made provision for each trial. Please know that I miss you incredibly and that I have an empty spot in my heart that won't be filled until you return. I love you very much, Dad. Wow, our Heavenly Father saying that. 
But, but check this out. That letter from our Heavenly Father, that just doesn't apply to me. We're going to get the next slide on the screen right here. It doesn't have to say, Dear Brandon. It could say, Dear anyone. That means you could put your name in there as well. That letter totally applies to you. And that there's a spot in the heart of God that won't be filled until we get to heaven. You could put your name in there. You could put your children's name in there. You could put your parents' name in there, your family member's name in there, and it would still apply perfectly. But you know what? This letter also applies to the people who come from the dirt, the people who are still living in that cursed dirt all around us, all across the world that have absolutely no hope in Jesus. They don't know about Jesus, and they're like, man, I don't know that there's any hope for me. But guess what? There is hope for them. People that live across the earth or even next door to you who might not know about Jesus, people that don't know that Jesus was faithful and that Jesus died on the cross so that they could choose eternal life. According to the Joshua Project, there's this website, there are 3.14 billion people in the entire world who don't know about Jesus. They're unreached people. They don't know about Jesus. This letter, it also applies for our church. You could join a grow group. You could say, you know what, I'm going to join a small group of believers who are, who, who are serious about living the gospel together well. Because I know these people in the grow group that I'm with, I know that there's a spot in the heart of God that only they can fill. And so I'm going to treat them like that way. And that's how we're going to build community in this church. Wow, grow groups, what a, what a cool thing. It also says, let's express God's Christ-like community through small groups. I think that's pretty sweet. I think that's awesome. The call that God gave to Abraham to go around the world and to bless people is the exact same call for us. To tell others that there is a God who wants to bless them, to become friends with them, that there is an empty spot in the heart of God that only they can fill. To tell them the good news, not only in word, but also in deed, because that's being a blessing. Jesus was the ultimate blessing, but Jesus calls us to go and be blessings too.